Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. For the Bible says, for all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. when we look through our pain and seize the unshakable glory of a savior who will never leave us who will never forsake us one who knows what it means to hurt who walked the path of the greatest suffering to welcome us into his presence where there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore Great to be in the house of the Lord this morning, to feel his mighty presence. Amen. Amen. The Lord has a word for us today. Say amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. Jump right into the word of the Lord today. chapter 7 I want to read two verses here verses 7 and 8 amen Jesus speaking here and he says these words ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened Amen. I just want to talk to us just for the next little bit on this title, God's response. God's response. And if you will help me this morning, you may be seated in this place today. God bless you. Amen. 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 God's response. You know, when I was in school a couple years ago, Why are you laughing? I was, uh, I was one of those students who didn't, really, who didn't really apply themselves. I know, big surprise. Um, and it is, a, it, is a major, it is a major regret of mine to look back and realize that I had four years of high school and, you know, all the other years. And, you know, I did pretty good in, in my younger years. I was on the honor roll. But when I got to high school, it was just like, oh, I was kind of bored, you know, and I didn't really apply myself. And I kind of kicked myself for it now thinking, man, Bryce, you, you know, you could have done better than what you did. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I remember, I remember when math started to get really hard. And for some reason, the powers that be thought it necessary to start uh, mixing in letters with the numbers and uh, brilliant, right? It's like, who is running? Who is running this? You know, it's like they're up there like, okay, how can we make this any harder? Let's, let's throw a letter in there, you know? And they say, they say you're, either, you're either really good at algebra or you're really good at geometry. You're not really good at both. And I was like the geometry kid. Like for some reason, I could figure uh, out those shapes. Like I could figure that stuff out. But, but algebra, numbers, letters, not, not so much. And, you know, looking back now, 
you know, it's probably because I just, I probably really didn't try. <laughs> How many know that whenever you put in the work, you begin to excel at things? You know, if you put in the time and the energy, you can do a whole lot better than what you are. Well, something amazing happened to me whenever I was in school. And it was in math class. And, you know, they give you these big textbooks and, uh, and you work through them all throughout the school year. And there are homework assignments. There are pop quizzes. There are problem-solving activities all throughout this giant textbook. And there's also something else that is very uh, truly amazing. In, in the very back of the math books, there are what? Answers, praise the Lord. There are answers to every even-numbered question. Depending on the publisher, it's either even or odd. Now, thankfully, I knew the difference between even and odd. I did manage to make it through third grade. Uh, but how amazing is that? Now, now, most of the time, the teachers, whenever they would assign you a homework uh, or a pop quiz or whatever it is, and they, they, would, they would just assign, we just want the odd number questions answered. But, but the answers to the even ones would help old Bryce out just a little bit to, to figure out the answers to the other ones. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. I was, I was preparing for uh, this morning. You know, we're all searching for answers. We're all looking in places in the back of the textbooks of life. We're looking for answers, answers to our deepest questions about uh, life, about career, about relationship, uh, really about everything. We're searching uh, for answers. Growing up, that's all my parents wanted, answers. Answer me. When I speak to you, how many have ever asked their children that or said that statement to their children? You know, give me an answer. Easton, uh, Easton is our deep thinker. Uh, at, at least that's what I like to imagine that he's doing rather than ignoring me. Um, <clears throat> you know, I love the kid with all my heart, but sometimes... <laughs> We could be face to face and I have to practically get my dad voice going just a little bit in order for him to respond to me. Anybody have children like that? You know, it's like, hello, do you know that I'm here? Do I have to introduce myself to you? We all want answers. We all want people or things to answer our questions, our our entire life is filled with question, and the goal is to get as many answers to our questions as possible. And sometimes we like the answer, and sometimes we, we do not like the answer. And I want to just say this before we go any further. I'm all for asking questions, okay? I'm all, I'm all for it. Questions are great. There are major breakthroughs that happen in society that come by way of question. And not just asking questions, but asking the right questions, okay? I'm, I'm all for asking questions, but can I, can I say, let's get some answers? Yes. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's get some answers. I don't want to wind up 70 years old, retired on the golf course, and still have the same question that I did 40 years ago. 
God is all for asking questions, and I'm thankful to know that he has answers for us. Can you say praise the Lord? In our text this morning, Matthew 7, Jesus issues out a promise to his people. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who, re- who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Now, this passage is key to every believer. This passage is key to everyone that prays. God responds when his children seek his face with perseverance, when they seek his face with confidence. There are a lot of you in here this morning that are looking for answers. You have more questions than you know what to do with. And I want to remind you this morning that God responds to those who seek with their whole hearts. When we get persistent, when we become a little more determined than we were yesterday, You see, it can't be some half-hearted sprint. It can't be some half-hearted prayer. But we're invited to come boldly to the throne of grace. You, You have questions this morning. I'm telling you that you can seek his face today with confidence and trust and know that he has an answer for your question. When Jesus said to seek and to knock, he was inviting us as believers to approach him freely with our petitions, with full expectation that he will provide all that we need. However, he never promised that every door would open immediately. The Greek verbs translated seek and knock can also be translated as knock and keep on knocking. Seek and to keep on seeking. In other words, perseverance is a vital aspect of answered prayer. It's going to take some determination on our part. Despite difficulty, Despite delay, you and I must remain steadfast in our approach of him. Some of the gifts of God to us or for us come only after long seasons of waiting and praying. Praying and waiting, waiting and praying. It's important for us to understand that God always responds to our prayers. But sometimes the answers take on a different form than the one that we had pictured. And I believe that those answers from heaven that we are searching for can take one of three forms. I believe that God has three answers for us when we have questions. The first response of God to our prayers is yes. Yes. Sometimes God says yes. Yes is the response that we are looking for probably 100% of the time when we pray. We love a yes, don't we? Somebody said yes. Yes. We love a yes. Yes is our, it's our favorite answer. It's the one that we want to hear. Uh, you know, Almost 10 years ago when I got down on one knee in the middle of Forest Park to ask Mallory to be my wife, you know, 
I, I wasn't really planning on like, uh, well. If I had any inkling that that might have been the answer, trust me, there was no getting down on one knee. I was confident that there would be a yes. A yes was what I was wanting to hear. A yes was the only thing that I wanted to hear her say. You see, we love a yes. We love it when we pray and things change immediately. God is saying yes. And by responding quickly to our prayers, God opens our eyes to how faithful he'll be with other needs that are brought before him. We love to hear God say yes. And somebody said amen. Let me say this, however, about this yes answer. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God in him are yes. yes. And in him, Amen. amen, unto the glory of God by us. So what promises of God are yes and amen? The ones that are in him. Those are the promises that are yes and amen. God says yes to any request that is in accordance to his will. And that may sound a little vague and it may sound a little unsatisfying to some of us. However, I believe that as we mature in our faith, it becomes much clearer. His will for our lives is revealed in the many promises that are found in his word. You see, we pray, uh, we pray with worship and adoration unselfishly and with thanksgiving while petitioning God based on his promises. You see, we can't be lazy in our walk, but we are to search and study the scripture to discover God's promises and the full measure of what he desires for each of his children. For the Bible says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. The ones that are yes and amen, they are the ones that are in him. So what's our part, Bryce? What do we do? You just need to make sure that your situation is in line with the word of God. Make sure that your question and the answer you're looking for is in line with the word of God. And once you get to that point, you just believe it and you receive it in Jesus' name. Because when God says yes, there ain't nobody that can say no. And God's yes is greater than the devil. No. Believe it and receive it. God says yes. We love the yes. God says yes. We want to hear yes. But there's two other forms that his response takes on. God says yes. And number two, sometimes God's response is not yet. Not yet. And this is a tough one. When God tells us to wait. The life of faith involves the miracle of seeing above your circumstances. And I stress the word miracle because that's exactly what it is. To see above your circumstance is nothing short of a miracle. It means that we grasp the unseen that's been promised that we orient our lives in in the time at hand on the yet to come when God says 
wait. When God says not yet. Psalms 37 exhorts us to this kind of life and actually models for us what it looks like. David begins the psalm with end times hope. He says these words. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. He says that the wicked will be cut off on the coming day of God's judgment, and therefore we need not worry over them now. 2 Thessalonians says that one day a new world will dawn and God's righteousness will be fully manifest and those who don't know him will be punished and those who trust him will be saved. Simply put, David pointed us to what will be as the ground to how we act in the present. And this straightforward formula provides this sort of aerial view of what is happening in this wisdom psalm. He continues the common contrast between the wicked and righteous and tells us in light of our future to keep waiting, to hold on, to just wait and hang in there. That's what the psalm is. And in many respects, That is what the Christian life is. Just wait. Just hold on. Not yet. You see, it's far from the, uh, it's far from the, 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 the triumphant, the, the slick success story that, that we all want to portray. The Psalms really kind of show us as a Christian how to survive, how to make it. They, they show us how to live in, in hope when the, when the scenery around us uh, looks a little, uh, looks more like Babylon than the New Jerusalem. Because to be sure, this place that we're in isn't the New Jerusalem. We can't help but ask if the reason the Psalms sometimes seem strange to us, all these complaints about evildoers and the, the plots of the wicked, all that's going on, we can't help but, but think and ask if, that's the, if the reason that sometimes it seems strange to us is because maybe, maybe we've become too comfortable with the brokenness of Babylon. Maybe we become too comfortable with the sin-stained environment that we live in. And I ask, have we confused American prosperity to the norm of present Christianity existence? Have we let all the good things that this world can give us blind us to the more important things that it can't? Maybe. Maybe. But the Psalms won't let us go. They just won't, especially Psalms 37. David again shows us the life of faith. But it's not the straight-laced kind in the study when all is right and the the kids aren't screaming and, and everything is perfect. No, 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 no. It's life in the commotion. It's life in the chaos. It's life in the hustling and the bustling and this jungle called the sin-tainted world where, where our cars break down and, and you have bills that are due and good people get sick and so on and so on. And he tells us, hang in there. Hold on. Just wait. 
But Bryce, what does that mean? What does it mean to wait like this? What does it mean? What does it look like? Well, David shows us. And perhaps it might come as a surprise. You see, we may be accustomed to think that waiting means bunkering down. <laughs> waiting means just hanging in there. It, mean, it, means, it means hiding out. It means uh, we, find our little, uh, 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 we find our little corner. We find our little closet. We become uh, these recluse Christians, and we just hide out and we wait. But that's not what David says. In verses 3 through 7 of Psalms 37, David exhorts us. He says these words, trust in the Lord. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. He says, be still before the Lord. Church, can I tell you today that this is the character of our waiting. It's not bunkering down, but it is thoroughly active. We are called to trust God, to really trust him, not just on the sidelines or in the book or in theory, but to trust him. To trust him out there when life is broken, when life doesn't make sense, to trust him. We are to trust him and do good, which implies that our faith rolls up its sleeves and digs into the present world. We trust God through the brokenness of Adam's world. And while we trust it is a life that is full of delight. Waiting in delight. This might be the most confusing to the sentiments of our old nature. When things are bad and, and when the wicked draw their swords and bend their bows and, and we have delight. It's kind of confusing to us. How can we have delight in these times? How can we have delight in a dark world? You see, we've got to understand our delight is not in the world, but our delight is in God. It is not in our circumstances. It is not, uh, not the goodness or the badness of the details around us. It is a delight by faith when we look through our pain and seize the unshakable glory of a Savior who will never leave us, who will never forsake us, one who knows what it means to hurt who walked the path of the greatest suffering to welcome us into his presence where there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore just hold on wait I know waiting is not our favorite thing to do but while we wait we trust we delight in the Lord and we say let the Lord do what seems good to him let the Lord do what seems good to him God tells us yes God tells us not yet and lastly God sometimes tells us no Being told no is something that many people are fearful of. I work in sales. Trust me, no is not the answer that I'm looking for. No is not the reason I set up this meeting. No is not the answer. And on this Christian journey, no 
is hard to swallow. We can take the yes. We can sometimes handle the not yet. But no, that's a different story. Sometimes God tells us no. And here's the hard part. Here's the confusing part. Sometimes it's confusing because we might be praying for something that's good. And God says no. And when we hear the word no, most of the time we are left with disappointment. Thinking to ourselves, well, God must not really understand how important this is to me. God must not understand how much, how much I need this in my life. God must not have, he must have misunderstood me. God must not really know. And when we are forced to let go of something we really long for, whether it's taken away or it seems that it will never be given, grief sometimes is a natural response. And the weight of disappointment is crushing. Church, it's not wrong to experience disappointment when life does not unfold the way we hope. And if we do not give ourselves permission to grieve, we inadvertently believe that God is more concerned with us immediately feeling better rather than working through the hurt to bring real transformation to our heart. We lose sight of the invitation he has given us to place our struggles at his feet. To cast all of our cares upon him. Can I tell you this morning that God is not afraid of the pain that we feel. His sovereignty is not dependent on our emotions. He will not try to invalidate our hurt with quick and temporary fixes. Oh, we are free this morning to express a sense of sorrow and express a sense of lack in the moment. And I believe that he lets us fill the void so that he might satisfy us with himself. Oh, I know that he might say no sometimes. It's not because he doesn't love you, but it's because he's inviting you to draw near, to come closer, to come closer. Closer than you were before. Hear your no as an invitation to come near, to come close. You know, no, when you, when you say it, you know, I know when you say it to your children, especially, it's extremely negative. Even as an adult, whenever you hear the word no, say it's a negative like it just immediately, just our spirits just are just sometimes defeated whenever we hear the word no. No is, is a negative. But I'd like to put a positive spin on it for you this morning. Because I believe that God knows our needs and he knows our desires and he truly wants to meet them. Anybody believe that with me this morning? Our heavenly father knows how much more how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts? How much more? God knows what you need. God knows what you're after. He knows the desires of your heart. I want to put a positive spin on this no for you this morning. I don't want to just call it a no. God says yes. He says not yet. And lastly, instead of no, God says, hey, I've got something better. I've got something more 
Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, there's something better. There's something better. C.S. Lewis once wrote, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. You see, redirection forces something out of our hands that we had hoped to keep. And through that, we begin to realize God's plan for our life does not equate to the easy or the comfortable road, but He is working all things. He is working all things together. The disappointments, the upsets, the hurt, the no's, He's working it all together for what? Our good. He always has our ultimate good in mind. Hear me right now. That means that he will pry the idols from our hands. He does this not because he is cruel, not because he's depriving us. He just knows better. He knows better than we do. And his no is always merciful, even when it hurts. Would you stand with me this morning? You might have heard God say no. You might have heard God say not yet. I just want to encourage you today. He's for you. He's fighting against what will keep us from Him. He knows our hearts can only truly be satisfied with Himself and He will not tolerate being second in our lives because He wants us to have something much better than what the world can offer. And when God takes some things away, I believe that He creates a space in our lives to fill us with more of Him and more of His blessing. And to me, that is the greatest gift of all, to have more of Him. Church, don't take it as a no. It's not a no, but it's I have something better. I have a better way. I have a better plan. I have a better option. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher. John chapter 11, story of Lazarus. If you remember correctly, Jesus, he doesn't immediately heal Lazarus. And, and Mary and Martha, they were, they were beside themselves. They were, they were heartbroken. It was their little brother. They couldn't understand Martha especially. She said to Jesus, she said, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would still be alive. You see, Mary and Martha couldn't understand that Jesus was getting ready to do something greater. 
It's hard to understand that God has something greater for you in the midst of him telling you no, in the midst of you having a need, in the midst of your prayer request. But it's in those moments that we need to remind ourselves that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Mary and Martha couldn't see it. They couldn't see it at first. Martha believed that Jesus could have intervened had he arrived prior to Lazarus' death. However, I love her open-ended statement that's found in verse 22. It implied that she had faith that Jesus could still do something now. She says these words, but I know that even now, Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus responded, Thy brother, <laughs> thy brother shall rise again. And my, Martha, I know, I know, I know, I know that I know that he's gonna rise again in the resurrection. I know that he's gonna rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am, I am, I am the resurrection. Church, I know you might have heard a no to your question, to your prayers, but I want you to hear him say today, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the something greater. Come on, lift up your hands, lift up your voice in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is in here right now. Come on, lift up your praise, lift up your voice. He is the resurrection, He is the life. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.